0: That podcast, your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Clint Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. This is not a real show. That's a very esoteric statement. Joining us also, Jed Brewer, director of Mission USA Productions. Maybe I'm here. It, that remains to be
1: determined, depending on you know the pending reality of said show.
0: All right, it's got a philosophical pre-early here. <laughs> I think what they're both referring to is that the fact that not joining us this week is Lee Younger. <laughs> Lee, we miss you. He's somewhere in the air between Orlando and Chattanooga. Oh, okay. Well,
2: that uh, knowing is half the battle. It it feels kind of disturbing that he would be
0: floating in the ether somewhere. Lee, right. why would you leave
1: us like this? Leave us all alone.
0: It also seems odd that. It- if you believe as you apparently do that what I just suggested with this is that Lee has gained the power of flight <laughs> that you think he would pretty much just go between Orlando and Chattanooga. Well, we're, we're,
2: yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're dealing with a lot of separation anxiety. So our thinking totally. is totally clear. Also, I'm not wearing headphones. so it's like not even a real thing. Lee told yet. me he'd always totally. be there for me, but now yeah. we're here and he's not here. Right. It's a lie. It's, you know, Jed, I, I, I think, Maybe this has brought up other things from your life. You know? A cruel, vicious lie.
1: Like love and
0: friendship and Lee. Wow, Jed. Okay, well. Uh, so, uh, Lee, uh, yesterday. I miss this. you, Lee. I think, wow.
2: I think what we need to do right now is have an intervention at Jed, yeah. and trying to help him with his issues, you know.
0: I don't think we got enough tape for that. Do Do you miss his? Musk? I mean, we have a terabyte hard drive, but I'm not sure that's enough space. <laughs> Lee,
1: when this thing, when, when when this thing's all over, you and I should get an apartment together. Yeah,
2: just yeah. saying. No, I don't. your wives will love that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a good idea.
0: Well, uh, as we record this, it's Sunday, February the eighth, and yesterday, Brother Lee performed a wedding in Orlando for our mutual friend Taylor. Taylor and Jenny woo, got married. Lovely woo, time, woo. but he. Uh, it's flying back today, so couldn't make the old podcast recording.
2: I'm uh, doing this under protest.
0: Sure, it's not a real show.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm doing it. Yes, as I'm you've here. done I'm here, the now. half
0: dozen or so previous episodes that we've record had to record without Lee because of schedule conflicts. You've done them all under protest, right? Which has made no actual material difference to anything.
2: Well, I think it's one of those things where it's officially listed as, uh, you know, I'm under protest in solidarity sure. with Lee not being here, but let's not let that interfere with the actual show.
0: Sure. It's like agreeing to vote against something in Congress only when you know it's already going to pass. You yeah. just kind of be on the record. Yeah. yeah. There That's you good go. stuff. Good to cover your tracks. Yeah. Well, because Lee's not here, we didn't want to do a normal show where we answered your questions because, let's face it, Lee really takes the edge off the rest of us on that. Yeah, he's,
2: he's, the, he's the nice uh, answer. Yeah, you don't,
0: you don't want the, uh, the question answers from, from just the three of us. That's yeah, not yeah. going to be uplifting or edifying. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's, it gets a little raw. Lee's well, what, really the the sugar that makes the spoonful of medicine that is the show go down.
2: Well, really, it's that Jed and I need both you and Lee yeah. to hold us at bay. It's
0: there has to be equilibrium.
2: Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, we we it would get pretty bad pretty quick.
0: Otherwise, it just becomes a runaway freight train with Glenn improvising inappropriate songs while Jed hums underneath him.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, it would eventually devolve into. Uh, Jed and I just doing movie quotes at each other and actually communicating entire thoughts back and forth. Much like real life? You know, just, yeah, that's
0: exactly right. And at some point, one of your wives would break into the show and go, I don't know what you're saying, which happens in several, several dinners that this organization has. that's right. Yeah. Well, so what we're going to do instead is you've heard us mention probably pretty often the show, depending on how long you've been listening, the day jobs we have here in Chicago, Glenn, President of Mission USA, Jed's his number two and the head of a mission, the production arm of that, and I work for both of them. So that involves a service every Tuesday in the city of Chicago for guys coming out of jail, guys coming out of gangs, guys coming out of addiction, Who be that they're currently in a treatment facility or just kind of working their recovery on their own and come to the bridge to help that out. And we also have, over the years and various kind of cycles, been doing prison ministry and working with these residential programs Glenn and Jed have done some street level kind of gang member work. We partner with churches, we partner with a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of characters. Yes. There's a lot of incidents. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of things going horrifically wrong. Right. Basically what we sat and realized is there's a lot of just weird stories from this kind of whole frontline missions thing. And we get a fair amount of questions of people saying, oh, "I don't know what it would look like to like pursue your calling. It'd probably be super holy, and you'd just right. know, and it'd be super easy and clean, and yeah, it'd be you'd just feel so spiritual all the time. It's just yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, it's just like that.
0: <laughs> so there's that misconception, and then there's the other one, which is people who hear about our work, bless them, just kind of assume it's a gritty." cop procedure all the time yeah, right people <laughs> threatening to cut
1: us left and yeah right. you, a yeah,
0: lot yeah. of you know aren't you scared all the time like no Right, <laughs> You're right. it's pretty fine actually so yeah. you know there's more levity than people might think there's a little right. more turns out that people who live in the inner city and going through a hard time are not a completely different species of person right That's so weird. there's that yeah. So we thought maybe we'd uh, kick her, spend the next, you know, it'll be a shorter episode. We won't do the full, you know, kind of hour and change, but maybe kicking around just some stories that we have that these guys have from the front lines that haven't fit in. Mm-hmm. Now, we like to work stories into the show, but we're answering the questions, so we've got to find the context. And we have all these st- stories that are so weird they would never find their way into a normal conversation. So right. we kind of we spend this episode kicking those off. And um, Jed, why don't you start us off with the leading worship at the biker bar in LA story. Oh my goodness,
1: my goodness. Well, we um, part of the work, um, Glenn, of course, is the mastermind behind Mission USA. And um, uh, uh, Glenn, you should know this if you don't, is, is an internationally recognized expert in prison ministry and aftercare ministry. And people from all over call, email him
0: can you break down what aftercare is? I sure to, can. That's a good
1: question. Aftercare is working with people after they're released from prison. So right. that's you know they they've served their debt to society, they've served their prison term, um, but now what now? And it turns out actually there's very little setup to work with people in that context. And and Glenn is an international leader in that. Um, because of that, we uh, get contacted, and Glenn particularly gets contacted on a very regular basis to consult on things. You know, uh, help us design this program, that kind of thing. So. Of, uh, several years ago now we're out in Los Angeles County and um, the kind of the criminal makeup in LA it can be a little bit different um, than in Chicago. And one of those features is that kind of outlaw biker organizations is actually a real thing, right. um, and, and it's part of the criminal makeup in L.A. And um, there is a whole group of cats that are uh, – have come out of outlaw biker gangs. Um, you might have heard of a group like the Hells Angels, so groups like that, and that are trying to be on this Jesus thing, and it's like kind of a church service for those cats that are coming yeah. out of that scene and they, they uh, heard we were going to be in town so they said you know, would you come by and um, you know, hang out with us maybe give us a word lead some yeah. songs and you don't actually say no to that <laughs> right, invitation. Right. So,
0: um, you don't for a number of reasons. And also, a little tip for those of you out there. If you want to get Glenn and Jed to your thing, just mention your podcast and they'll be happy to come. But if you can work in something as random and weird as outlaw biker worship service, they're going to come. Yes. Well, and there
2: was also a cookout involved. There was so, That helps. Yeah.
0: Well, we got there. The first guy that we
1: met is a sweet dude. Uh, we're going to use pseudonyms on all this stuff for reasons that should be obvious, but we'll, we'll call him Marcelo. Met us at the door. And he was probably five foot tall, right. about three fifty. Yeah, I mean just just a just a lot of dude.
0: Kind of yeah. difficult to picture out how the equilibrium on the bike would work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: really tough. Yeah,
1: sweet as pie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, really nice guy. And you know, he said, "Tell us your because we you know this was going to be an all day thing. You know, we get there at like four p.m. and we're going to be there till eleven o'clock that night." So yeah, tell us your story, man. And this dude had been a part of a you know well known outlaw know, bike organization and had been an enforcer for them. For about fifteen right. years, that job being Jesus.
0: exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. W- what you think? it Keep is? Keep the other outlaw bikers in line, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> but just sweet as pie. Oh yeah, it's so yeah. excited yeah. to have mm-hmm. us there. Just mm-hmm. thought it thought it was great. So and you know, we get set up, we and we do this thing. And um, well, I'm,
2: and just a, a very small point. One of these bikers had died. Okay, and right, and right. they had handed out like made up flyers at the at the funeral. Come to the service. And here, this guy talking, this other guy lead worship.
0: Yeah. That
2: was us. Yeah. You, <laughs> got,
0: you got plugged at an outlaw biker funeral. <laughs>
1: that's if, correct. If you're in grief because your outlaw brother biker
0: has been yes. killed recently, yes.
2: come here. Come. To, these guys will tell you exactly how to deal with that. <laughs> and we're like, what is that?
1: You know? Th- this was new. We were informed of this as we're pulling yes, up in the car. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we go in and, and we, it's a, there's a lot of people there and, um, you know, service fills out and it's these are some hard-looking dudes yeah. and ladies. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we, we had both. And, um, you know, if you've seen Sons of Anarchy, yeah, it you know, kind of right.
0: looked a lot like that, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. Those uh, background characters in Sons of Anarchy, not the modely ones right, they got yeah, to right, be right, the main right, characters. Right, yeah. Right, right, right.
1: So, you know, what we do the service, and I, I lead some worship, and, and uh, Glenn preaches, and it's, it's the whole thing. At the end... An
0: important point before you, move on, it's important to point out, when Jed refers on this podcast to leading worship, he almost always means songs he has written specifically right. for this type of population. Yes. Yeah, that's So correct. it's not like, you know, I went and led, you know, whatever the worship song on the radio is, or even hymn stuff, which he does a little right. bit of, but he's, a lot of what Jed's job is to write songs specifically to what people in this kind of thing yeah. are working with. Absolutely. So that- Adds to the effect it has.
1: That's exactly right. That's a good. That's a good call. So there's this dude, and we'll call him Ed. Now I told you Marcelo was a big guy, so like, man, I'm talking about Ed was he dwarfed Marcelo? Yes. I yeah. mean, this was a linebacker on steroids. This is
2: big dude.
1: Easily six eight, six yeah, nine. Yeah. yeah um, yeah, yeah. and Crazy just big. just huge man, yeah. just just a man mountain. And this guy, there are people in life that look hard. Right. This dude was that all the way switched on. Right. I mean, just, if, you know, if looks could kill kind of thing, this guy, you know, comes to me and says, I want to talk to you about those songs, man. <laughs> 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 do
0: you okay. work for Pitch 4? <laughs> 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 so, oh, okay. What, what do you want to tell me?
1: Those songs. <laughs> he, starts, he starts to choke up. right, right. Um, them songs got to me, man. And he's got he's got tears inside him, yeah. and he just leans in for a hug. He's just, now, the he's best part in. is
2: he's hugging Jed, but Jed's only like coming up to the middle of his yeah. chest. So he sort of Jed is sort of lost, as if in Jed the hug, was his
0: eleven-year-old son who just lost a little league game, yeah. and yeah. he's
2: comforting him. Yeah, yeah, he's just wrapping himself all sure. the way pulled around into Jed. his bosom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah,
1: but you know, it's it's funny because we get asked on a fairly regular basis. You know, you work with you know. Uh, people in extreme situations, you know, kind of how do you get them to open up? That is
0: probably, I know since I've been doing this work, the most common question I get about the actual workers is, aren't they all like super hardcore dudes like I see on Lockup? Well, the the
1: funny thing is this is the kind of dude you'd see on Lockup, but... You go and you talk about the fact God loves you and God cares about you right. and God forgives you. That dude's ready. He's in tears and ready to talk about that. Totally. Yeah.
0: And yeah. that that's actually typical of the world that we operate in. So, yeah. well, I think that's a great point. And also typical of the world we operate in is having to do things specifically the right way. Yes. If you do them the right way, you get the response Jed did. Part of the right way is. If you don't do them the right way, you end up in what Glenn has dubbed the punch zone. Yeah, that's Glenn, right. Would you like to tell us of the origin of the punch zone?
2: Yeah, well, I I was uh, this was at one of our bridge services uh, as we were mentioning earlier, and um, uh, we get a certain number of guys there that have sort of been invited by other guys. They come in, they know what to expect, uh, but occasionally we get guys who just kind of come in and they don't know what this is, you know. Uh, we work with some residential drug rehabs and stuff, so sometimes they'll just bring guys over. They don't know who is who and what's what. So this guy is listening to me preach, and um, uh, after the service is over, he kind of, uh, similar to Judd's story, sort of makes a beeline over to me, cuffs me, and look, gives me a really hard look, and he says, you know, you said a lot of things that were very intense, a lot of things were... You know, you're really getting in my business and talking about decisions that I've made and things that I've done or whatever. and whatever. I decided I was going to come up after the service, punch you in the
0: face. Well, let, me, let me stop you right here just to clarify the audience. He doesn't mean like you got to, it's because this does somehow. You. you have a, a lot of people in this room. and if Glenn ha- right. does a pre-style he will often call reading your mail. Right. Which is, Glenn is so into this environment. He knows, you know, You've all done stuff. We're all right. here. and This is kind of how you feel about it. Yeah. And this is what this guy was reacting to. Well,
2: yeah. You, I might say, for example, I know at one point somebody in this room has stolen someone's dog and sold it for money. Yeah. You know, and that's like, if you're that guy, you're a little bit. And hurt. There's probably two or three of them in there. <laughs> yeah. There's more than one or two. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I touched the nerve, you know, and so he says, I decided after the service, I'm gonna come up and punch you. And I said, oh, all right. And he says, but then you kept talking. And uh, you were saying, like, God forgives me anyway and that uh, I can have uh, grace and I don't have to live that old way anymore because God's going to set me free from that. And you made a lot of good points about how, you know, deep down uh, I have all this potential and that God wants to bring that forth. And so I decided I was going to come up after the service and give you a hug. Sure. <laughs> and 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 I was I was glad. I tell that story to to uh, uh, other preachers that I might be coaching and working with that you want to get all the way through the punch zone and into the sure. hug zone. You, you don't want to you don't want to linger too long in the punch zone. You want to keep moving and get to the grace part. Because that's the hug zone. And Absolutely, you, you want to make sure you're in the hug zone,
0: especially environments like the bridge and preaching in jail, where uh, your time may end abruptly. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to end in the punch zone. No. Yeah, no, no, no.
2: Well, and that's the thing too is a lot of people try to avoid that confrontation where they're not mm. speaking. And the guys that we work with, they don't like that. They really don't like that. They want you to be assertive yeah. and call them yeah. on their stuff. They won't. They won't even tolerate you if you don't do that. But uh if you do that and you don't preach the grace part you're really just kind of being mean yeah. you know and they don't they don't like that at all so it all has to be just so
1: well to that point these guys expect you to win them over Mm-hmm. They expect yeah. you to earn it. You know, I think it was shortly after, King, uh, you had come on staff here. We're in a prison facility, and I think you were—you may have been leading worship with me, actually. Yeah. And there's a dude that starts the service
0: just to—he his he sits down with his back to us. Yeah, yeah yes. it was kind yes. of—there's yes. a very odd carryover between— um these, this was what's called an adult transitional facility, so it's like a work release program. Right. So it's not prison-prison. I mean, these guys right. are technically inmates, but it's, you know, little, and there's a weird, architecturally and environmentally, it's so much like a middle school, it's weird. Yes, yeah. Yes, like there's bulletin yeah. boards with stuff back to them. Yeah. And at yeah. that point, so the place we do the service is essentially the cafeteria. Yeah. So they have, like, you know, the four-sided tables, which everybody else in the room just sits on the three sides of the face stage. And this dude starts off – as Jed said, plops down with his back to the thing. Right.
1: And just, first song just stays there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just, just, no, I'm just, we finish the first song. He turns about 20 degrees towards the
2: stage. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Finish the second song, turns another 20 (laughs) degrees. But by the end of the worship set, he's actually facing the stage. Later turns out to be a lovely person.
2: Yeah. He's into it. Love the service. Everything's great. But you had, you had to work. To win him over, You, you know? start
0: with my back. Right, that's yeah. right. You right. earn my front. That's
2: right. That's right.
0: Yeah, he did, it was about, I think he was about 45 degrees by the time the worship was over, so he, but turned his head. Sure. Right, and then yeah. I think you, I think Glenn preached and then yeah. I preached. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I so, so it was, I, he, by the end he was, if not flush to the stage, pretty close to it. Right, right, that's right. <laughs> and then we hung around afterward, and had snacks and stuff, and yeah, nice guy. Yeah, Chatted. yeah absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> really pre- absolutely. Come up afterwards. Really appreciate y'all coming. That was got a lot out of that's that. Right. He's gonna
2: make you earn it, you know. So yeah.
0: Well, as Jed mentioned, uh, there was a time here where there were, I would get phone calls like, "Hey, you're leading worship in prison in eh, six hours, so you know, you should probably get ready for that." <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, there's a little bit of that goes on. I think that those first few ATC ones, I was leading worship and preaching because here's the thing: it's a very challenging environment to work in. Right. So Glenn and Jed said, "Well, we hired this guy, we're paying him some money, and he's raising right. most of his money. We're paying him some money, so we should see what his breaking point is. Yeah, right. that'd be good to know.
2: Right. That's right.
0: To that point, very early on in the the uh, my employment here, I'm talking about like the first month, probably." We're, our friends Pete and Tosh were doing a, a lot of prison ministry at Cook County at the time. And we're going to make a little video they could send to their financial supporters, kind of show them you know, what's going down. So Judge shooting, he's asked me to come run sound for this thing. And uh, the thing is, it's a very involved process to get approved to go into Cook County Jail, right. even to do religious services. Because, well, they would tell you it's because they have to control who goes in there because of smuggling drugs and whatnot. Basically they don't want religious services to happen, but they right. constitutionally have to, so there's just a lot of red tape. And we're talking about what was that the first time we applied like a thirteen month thing to yeah. process a two page form yep. and yep. do a background check. Yeah. So but you know, it's a lot of red tape. So I was not approved to go in and wasn't could not have possibly gotten so in the time we decided to do this project. So pull up at a the Cook County Jail is a neighborhood in Chicago on twenty sixth in California. Right. which is not a nice neighborhood. No. So we pull up and Jed says, well, Pete and Tosh and I, we did this on the way to a chapel service. So we, that would be, you know, this kind of documentary film thing. He said, well now, you know, Pete Tosh and I got to go and do this chapel service. Right. So, um, stay in my minivan for, you know, chapel service. Maybe we'll get through all the security checkpoints and everything will go quick. Sometimes that's slow. And then we got to wait for him to come eat. So this would be anywhere between 45 minutes and three hours. Right and just stay in the thing. Here's the thing.
2: In the terrible neighborhood.
0: Terrible neighborhood, parking lot to the jail. Right. Technically not allowed to have camera equipment. Right. You, well, you're obviously allowed to have camera equipment. You're not allowed to film the jail.
2: That's super illegal. For,
0: I'm sure, ethical reasons that don't have to do with covering anything up. And to be clear, we
1: weren't filming the jail. We no, we are
0: filming the way to jail. We are filming the
1: way, but we are sitting in a parking lot at the jail with a whole bunch of you're camera, like camera equipment, equipment.
2: Because they don't want you to videotape their security, so you can yeah. do a jailbreak. So,
0: yeah. yeah, so a lot of rules about that. Yeah, so so technically, and I'm also we're also not technically sure if you're just allowed to be essentially loitering in the parking lot. Says, so you know if a prison guard asks you what in the hell you're doing here, <laughs> right? Just say I'm on my way, off, sir. You know, just start the van and drive around. He says, but um, you know. Don't stop anywhere. Right. That's right. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is, is a um, terrible, terrible this neighborhood. This is the heart of a st- very large street game in Chicago called the Latin Kings. Right. So he don't want to be you don't want to be in this parking lot, but you also don't want to be in the King neighborhood around that. Right. So
2: just not the parking lot and also not not the
0: park. Not lot. not not the parking lot, but you know, you get you got headphones and we'll be back anytime in about 3 hours. That's right. So you know that's that's just on the job training, is what that is.
2: <laughs> you know what it is is you have to learn to think positive. Absolutely. <laughs> what's what's absolutely the worst that, that can happen? That's what we're trying to teach young Matt. Absolutely. Is think
0: positive. You do have to think positive. Well, speaking of Latin kings, I, this is one of my. I think this is a great story about. <laughs> the other thing about doing it right. Jen, I may have to remind you a little bit of this from the front end, but you remember the story of you uh, doing the uh, the rock on oh, sign yes. to the wrong <laughs> group of people. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> speaking yes. of, tr- of transitioning into this environment well there there are a
1: few themes here uh one is uh you know uh, being mindful the second is um once you've earned it people will cut you a certain amount of slack yes I, well
0: also if you if you particularly haven't earned it one of the things people don't understand about this environment is gang members are not robots Right. Like, we have these host teams who come in, and they're lovely people Start from churches. We we'll have groups from, like, Wheaton College, and Glenn and I will go out to a little training. We have uh, folks from Triple C come up, and young white people, and even older people, one of the first things they ask is, are there any colors we can't wear? Right. And Glenn and I went to do this train right. up these Wheaton kids, and it was a gal asked, are there, like, any colors we should avoid? And bless her heart, she was a 19-year-old white female Wheaton student. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and she was worried about... And Glenn the, just you know, goes, no one's going to think you're in a gang. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> to explain that. Yeah.
1: Well, I, this I don't think uh I've been volunteering that long yeah. um but uh um you part of my story is I've played in a lot of rock bands for a long time, for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm, I'm used when I like to something, uh, I'm, you know, I was in the habit just because I was in that scene of kind of doing, you know, throwing up the horns. Yeah. Sign of the goat. Sure. You know, Which is super Christian. Um, yeah. It turns out that's also very, very similar to a gang sign. Yes. Um, yes. Like kind of identical. So yeah. uh, we, were, we were at a bridge service a long time ago now, but, we're at a bridge service and somebody said something that was, you know, you know, really cool and really good. It's like, oh dude, that's awesome. And I do the, the the horns, and there's a couple of guys that are gang guys that see me do that and there's this moment of wait, what what is that? Is that no. Yeah. You know, we're just no, he's just being an idiot. We're gonna let that go. So <laughs> Yeah, they uh, cuffed
2: me afterwards, like Did you mean anything by that? I mean, uh it seemed like he was trying to send a
0: message No. Nope. But...
2: No, no, it's not sending any message.
0: Well, to, yeah. To be clear on the the sociology of what's going on, um, there is you probably some people have a sense of they don't really know how it works, but gang hand signs are a thing, right? Which they can indicate you're in the same thing, right? In a very rare case, you may fly your sign at an opposing gang member, right? Which is roughly 10 million middle fingers, yes, right. Right. That is a clear indication that somebody's about to shoot somebody.
2: Right. And that's, so that's Jed what Jed's name.
0: Yes, he had flashed up a sign to the opposite, guys who were, they were getting out of the lifestyle, but they right. still had a lot of hard wiring sure. to, you know, if anybody does this with their hands, it would be rude not to kill them. Absolutely.
2: Well, it, well what it was is we had one guy, we won't mention his name, bless his heart, but he, he had been out of it for a minute, though he'd been pretty high-ranking. Uh, and he brought two guys fresh from the neighborhood. Yeah. And Jed's throwing up opposition gang signs in their face. I like to keep they, it spicy. <laughs> and I'm like, Jed, do not, don't do anything with your hands anymore. Just, <laughs> just play the guitar. After they, that, mittens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If they come and talk to you, just stick your hands in your pockets <laughs> and that's it. You know? So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's another uh, gang on the north side called the uh, Spanish Cobras. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Glenn has done a fair amount of work with. Yeah. He had an interesting, they made an interesting offer to Glenn one time. Yeah.
2: Yes. It's one of my favorite stories. Um, uh, It was a group of, uh, uh, well, there's one individual guy that I was working with who's a member of the Spanish Cobras organization. Uh, Pretty intense, uh, a lot of uh, tough guys in that organization. And um, I got to know him. He was a great guy. Uh, it was a uh, privilege to uh, have the opportunity to lead him to the Lord uh, and actually do some discipleship work with him over a period of time. And um, he came up for sentencing and uh, was found guilty. And then you have a sentencing phase where you decide how long you're going to give him. So I went to the judge and said, well, uh it, it, I know this guy, and I know he's made a transition since he's been uh, locked up awaiting trial, and I think it would be great if you gave him community service hours instead of jail time. It would save the county a ton of money, but it would also give me an opportunity to work with him some more. He could serve with me. I could take him, and you know, some church lady needs her porch painted or something like that, and so he and I can do that together, and I can work with him and we can talk about life and we can paint the porch. And it's good for the ladies, good for him, it's good for me, it's good for the county. Everybody wins. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd really like to encourage you to do that. And the judge was super, super skeptical, but uh, ended up ultimately agreeing, which was awesome. So we saved uh, this guy from having to do some jail time. I didn't realize it, but behind me in the gallery of the courthouse were. Uh, maybe uh four guys from the organization, or maybe four or five, and uh, so I'm am leaving out after everything has been settled out, and um there's sort of this um it's at 26 in California, like we were just talking about, and there's sort of this big median that's in between the two sides of the street, big grass median, and I'm crossing that and just sort of standing there, and uh like th- uh, a carload of the three guys, uh. Uh, 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 you know, approached me, which you don't want to be approached in that neighborhood by anyone. Uh, they <laughs> approached me. I didn't know him, and that was, you know, cause for concern. And uh, they said, uh, you know, uh, that they were friends of the guy that I had just finished testifying for. I said, oh, okay, 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 know. Yeah. And so we all shook hands and everything, and um, they said, uh, you know, we really appreciate that you testified for this brother and you said all these nice things about him. And like, nobody ever says nice things about any of us like that. And that you believe in him. That's it means a lot. But then you're a man of God on top of that. You know, just that you would care about him like that uh, and, and feel positive about him, even though you represent this God thing that has like a higher standard than just the rest of society. So, you know, we feel really thankful for, what it is that you did i said well thanks man and they said look here's what i'm going to tell you uh we get paid five thousand dollars to murder people you know if you want somebody murdered it costs five thousand dollars but for you from now on it's free <laughs> you say then did you just say the word it's free and this was and it still is to this day the most wonderful beautiful thing anyone's sure. ever said to me because i
0: i allow people to live
2: everywhere you go <laughs> i grant life everywhere well, i first go first
0: i recall the first time i'd heard this story was we had had a a gentleman leave glenn's employ and not do it in the most graceful manner he had kind of um he had showed his rear end a little bit on the mm, way out mm. um And we're having lunch and we're talking about, we may have been talking about the cover or something. Gwen just starts laughing at himself. He had recalled the story and he said, I'm not mad at this dude anymore right? because I'm showing him so much grace just by the fact that he's still breathing. I feel like I'm already the bigger man here. I mean,
2: everybody else walks around. If they're mad at something, you can't really do anything about it.
0: I can make one phone call and
2: someone's dead. you know. So, <laughs> And you're not I, doing that. So I'm how, not doing that. How gracious are you? You, you have no idea the number of people I have let live over the years. <laughs> I mean, from somebody cutting me off in traffic to sure. people who have done wrong by me. So I grant life everywhere I go. It's a very life-affirming thing totally. that they gave to me. So, yeah.
0: Well, I, I will share a story of a time that Glenn informed me of a similar run-in, but I didn't even know it was happening. We were uh, going to a meeting to do something with the Cook County Jail to do some kind of paperwork thing, and for some reason, Glenn and I were the only ones who had to go to this thing. We're sat down next to a dude. I had just gotten here. I was it must have been within two, two or three weeks of me taking this job. I moved up here in January of 2012 because January is the time you want to come to Chicago. Yeah, really want to jump, kind of just ease in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but i well, was I, the first week i'm shoveling the sidewalk out because i lived in glenn and jay's basement for about a month where i found an apartment and um you know so it was just kind of they were out doing stuff and i oh crap a lot of so those fun and of course glenn came out and took a picture of that for the ministry letter yes yes <laughs> so we're in this meeting there's a couple of glenn knows everybody he's a, a prison ministry pretty small thing and mm-hmm. in chicago everybody kind of knows everybody on that stuff so he's shaking hands with people and hey how you doing this and so down next to this younger dude, and he's shaking hands with him. And this guy turns to me and goes, are you Matt? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I saw you in the minister. Oh, that's really cool. And uh, he said, we fill out the thing. It takes about four hours to fill out this one form. And uh, so we're walking back to the car, and Glenn goes, well, you've just had your first near-death experience.
3: That's
0: right. And I, Because huh, I was sitting at a folding table filling out forms. What was right. going to happen if I got the form wrong? What, right. what are we talking <laughs> right, right. about here? And he says, well, that gentleman you shook hands with has a bounty on his head. That's great. I believe at the time, maybe, who who can... They don't really keep real record of the thing. The largest bounty in the history of a very large, very notorious street gang. Yes. Because this guy... He had had basically... He had a bad relationship on the way out. He had done
2: the worst thing you could do within this organization. Let's put it in 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 that The most
0: high-profile case of doing the worst thing you could do. Yes. So Glenn says, yeah, so... And not this organization is huge, and it's so huge that there are a bunch of kind of smaller gang organizations that have some affiliation to them and really want to be in good graces with them. So, yes, yeah. So, yeah. about half the gangbangers in this city, if they knew who that guy was and saw you shake hands with them, they'd just kill you. Right. Because. Right something good would come of that for them yeah yeah that's right
2: that's right they, i killed them for you you <laughs> yeah. know that kind of thing yeah yeah
0: so you know that was I, you know i'm, I'm saying i think you know six weeks ago i was have a talk at a young life club in clinton tennessee right. so you know same diff you know. things are you know it's all pressure in its own way <laughs> absolutely yeah, that's, right. that's right it's not all pressure though sometimes there are just some really oddly hilarious things yeah do you want to tell us about the trip to the barber shop
1: Oh, mercy. Well, yeah, I had a a friend uh, named uh, Charles who uh, his dream in life was to be a barber. Now, I, I had a, a couple of barbering sessions with him. The, the first, I, I used to work kind of uh, before I, I went into full-time ministry. I, I worked in the technology sector, and I worked for a small um, startup company. And we were going to um, present some technology at a, a very large conference on the West Coast. And I used to have what Glenn termed the wall of hair. Yes. Um, it, and it's, it's true. I mean, I, I was playing in bands and whatnot, and I looked like it. And so uh, when I would sing, you just couldn't see my face. That's correct. just hair completely shrouding it. Yes. So Charles was actually a good friend of mine and he was in a drug rehab that we worked very closely with, and he found out I'm going out to this conference, it's very important, and he comes to me completely serious. He goes, Jed, you have got to look like a human being. <laughs> yes.
0: And bless his heart, Charles is a man who went from several years of hard drug addiction to he is now in this residential treatment facility living in bunk beds in a room with 40 other dudes. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, all right. the hygiene that goes along with that, and right. he looks at Jed and says, "You got to be a person." Exactly right. right. That's when, correct. When when a dude in that situation says, "It's time
1: for you to change your look," it's yeah, it's you, it's you time. Know,
2: you know. Yeah. So
1: so we went, uh, and this is really the way you want your haircuts to go. We we went to the bathroom right. of the men's drug rehab, sure. um, yeah. where I was given a buzz cut with a fade. That's correct. Uh,
2: which was quite a transition.
1: But so a few months later, didn't play.
2: <laughs> there was enough hair on the floor to stuff a pillow. <laughs> that's how much that was cut off this young man.
1: Well in the, the conference that I went to actually is a high profile enough thing that they're filming it and everything and broadcasting it and whatnot, and I'm on I'm on screen demoing technology with Charles's haircut there you so I mean, his whole thing yeah. but so uh, several months later maybe as much as a year later he's finished the program at the drug rehab and he's very excited he calls me because he's gotten a chair in an actual barbershop you know he's right. going to and that's the way that it works you rent a chair right. at a barbershop and but he's going to launch his career he's like dude you got to come in you know let me you know you know do your hair and it's the whole thing of course I'm I'm happy to do it and this is in the middle of the inner city and i go over this part i mean it's it's a very rough neighborhood you know you know the middle of the inner city and um you know and it's uh, um it, it is an inner city barbershop and you know people hanging out and you know um uh um at some point, you know, I walk in, there's, you know, hip-hop videos on the TV and whatnot. But at some point, somebody says, man, we should put on a movie. And at the time, it had it, it just come out on video. Uh, there was kind of a, really an art house uh, movie called The Illusionist, um, uh, starring, uh, uh, who is that uh, guy? Ed,
2: Edward Norton?
1: is Ed it? Norton. Paul Giamatti. Paul
0: Giamatti's in it. Um, was talking, it was the uh, a taut thriller about magic, a magician, and the rising political tensions in like Warsaw in the 1900s or something. Yes, that's yes. exactly
1: right. It, yeah. it was as, as nerd tacular as you could hope for. Everyone in this barbershop, again, middle of the inner city, had all seen this before. This was repeat viewing. Loved it. Right.
0: They just had the DVD in the barbershop.
1: E- exactly yeah. right. And and you know they put it they put it on, and one of them wants to just skip ahead to this fa- to this one scene. That scene's off the chain. Right. We we just got to get to that scene, <laughs> and um, in that moment, your eyes. You know what? There's a lot I assumed I knew yeah. about yeah. the way things work. Yeah. I yeah. I you was know.
2: not correct about any it's, of it. it. There's a lot more depth here than than yeah. you imagine. Yeah.
0: Well, on the the assumptions about fuel in the inner city, this is a very recent one, and I'm going to tell this because I think I know the players better. But this is Glenn's favorite story from recent recent months. It was a couple of. Uh, it was actually the uh, the first bridge after new before new year's so it's like okay Tuesday, and we had lee actually brought a bunch of his high school and college guys up one of whom is a really a nice kid really smart dude
2: oh i know this story you're gonna tell who
0: is a a, a junior grandmaster in chess i don't know how to oh. where but so there's some kind of governing body of chess and you achieve levels right and this dude is a junior grandmaster yes so he's at the bridge. They're all kind of when people come to host team, they'll greet people as they come in, but then sometimes it times out. So pretty much everybody's come in. And if you have a big enough teams, some people just kind of go sit down and chat with people and talk. And there's, he meets uh, this guy, Andrew, who is one of our guys at the bridge. He's a new dude from one of these drug treatment facilities. And he is talking to his buddy about chess. And our man from Tennessee says, you guys play chess. I said, yeah, we do a lot. He said, you got it on your phone, yeah. You want to play now? Sure. And this dude from the neighborhood, proceeds to destroy this kid. The it junior shifts. grandmaster. The junior grandmaster. Point where and to his eternal credit, we're talking. They're ribbing him about it at lunch the next day. They said, "Was it really that bad?" He said, "About three moves in, I knew I was beat." He <laughs> wow. says, "I could have, I could have prolonged it. I could have this, that." He said, "But I was just destroyed." Wow. We find out later that Andrew, this guy from the service, just goes down to the University of Chicago to play chess. Right. Yeah. On a pretty on a, like a weekly basis. Yeah. Which you don't know anything about the University of Chicago. It is so fancy schmancy. If you if you're in school and you hear the Chicago citation system, that's the one they're talking about. Right. And so just he kinda I'm you know, you know go a little easy on these guys from the University of Chess and he got whooped. I mean, Which led to me and Ted so walking out. Not this is Andrew's buddy, who's another guy running the bridge, proceeded to just get so excited about chess, Jed and I, as we're trying to leave the bridge, as it's snowing, got about a five-minute lecture on this guy's strategy. Yes, which is based on strategy. the philosophy
1: of Egyptian kings. Yes, he's right. talking
0: about being aggressive, and he's talking about, yeah, you know, the Ptolemaic, you know, learn from Alexander, you just got to press your advantage. No retreat.
2: Right. Yes.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of what
2: we're Not at. what you would expect
0: think we should we're gonna make a small transition here and this is a good time to make this transition because there's a lot of weird stuff there's a lot of whack stuff for folks in the neighborhood but some of the best interactions come when glenn and jed venture into the suburbs oh boy i'm gonna it's a very specific story i'd like glenn to tell if he took one of our bridge gentlemen not to one of his preaching gigs and um yeah so as sometimes will often happen in white suburban churches um glenn had given a, a sermon and I believe it was the sound guy. Yeah, came up afterwards, and he had some sermon notes.
2: That's correct.
0: How did yeah. that go, Glenn? Uh, not as
2: he had expected it <laughs> to go. Uh, it bless his heart. What it what had happened is I uh, I was asked to um, guest preach at this church. I used to do more of that kind of stuff, but essentially, you have uh, uh, more churches than you would imagine out there. Don't have pastors or in between pastors are trying to hire a new one. So they have to fill the pulpit one way or another. And so a guy like me will come in and do a Sunday sermon here or there. And it's a way to bring a little bit of extra income into the, the, the ministry and stuff. So I would do that occasionally. And um, so I'm in this church, and you could just sort of tell, you know, they they I was informed that they'd had problems keeping a pastor in this church, which makes you kind of walk in with, like, what's so— why Why would you not want to stay here? It's a nice little suburban church. And so I gave the sermon, and what I had done is I had sort of posed some questions at one point and, and sort of laid out some things that I sort of answered in the second part of the, the the sermon. And I noticed that this guy was running sound, and he was sort of coming and going in the back of the room. I noticed him kind of going coming in and out. As people on the
0: tech team often do.
2: Who knows? So he cuffed me afterwards and um, basically uh, wanted to point out something that I had left out of my sermon that I had, in fact, had put into my sermon, but he was out of the room when it
0: took place. Which even if you had just left it out, still don't do that.
2: Well, but th- given that you had said it, yeah, the, 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 I pointed both of those things out to him. I, <laughs> I, I explained first of all, um, uh, this is my day job that I do. This is what I do professionally. Uh, you know, I don't go down to your day job and tell you how to run the slurping machine. So don't don't come here and tell me how to do this. Uh, but uh, but I, I I laid a really heavy heavy hand on his shoulder and I said. First of all, never do this again. This is awful. It's rude and it makes people feel bad. And you're the reason why, amongst I'm sure others here, why you can't keep a a, a sermon in this, I mean, a pastor in this church uh, because uh, you're bumming everybody out with this behavior. Nobody asks you to do this, nobody wants you to do it. It's just awful, 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 terrible. You should never do this. And also you're wrong. You have no idea what you're talking about, which is which is which makes it even worse. Uh, I want you to sit down in this church pew and I want you to think about what you've said and done. And I'm going to come back to you because I want to talk to you about how you uh, and and uh, what you're doing here is an attempt to, to, to make a contribution in your bizarre little mind. Do you think this is the best way to do that? Uh, what you've done is you've just... Uh, 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 embarrassed yourself horribly and made my life worse, which is, there's no point to that. There's something that God has that he's going to bring forth in you. You and I are going to discuss what that is. We're going to find out a way for you to make a difference. You're just never going to do this again. And I don't believe this guy had ever had anyone speak to him this way. And Certainly
0: I, not in church.
2: I believe in my heart this church would have, had, would have been able to keep more pastors had they, had they done that. But the interesting thing was part of the reason why I was being so appointed with him is that I had one of the guys with me from the neighborhood. And the thing is, in their mind, if you disrespect a man of God, in their, in their way of thinking, in their culture, disrespecting a man of God is communicating disrespect to God. God Mm. sends this person as a representative, as an ambassador, if you will, of Christ, and then if you mistreat that guy, then you're sending that message back to God. Uh, And in their world, they don't tolerate someone disrespecting God, even in an indirect sense like that. So he would have very certainly, physically, the guy in a very extreme way, and felt like that's probably what God would have wanted him sure. to do. And so we had to find a way to make sure that situation was very quickly uh, diffused and and turned around in order to save his physical health. So that's <laughs> that's just part of the, the the encounters that we sometimes have.
0: He just didn't have a vision for that kind of thing going on in church.
2: Yeah, it was you know, it's, but it, it, and here's what's funny is after all that happened, I was actually pretty kind of just mad about it, you know, that, that I, you know, I I felt like I, got, first of all, I got up at the crack of dawn, which is not fun for me. Second of all, I felt like I preached a nice little sermon here. And thirdly, I didn't ask you to come up and be a jerk in my face. So, uh, and, and then I'm trying to keep you from getting beat up after you making me feel bad. So I was pretty tense and whatever. And the, the guy who had gone with us, we all went to lunch afterwards. He, he could tell that i was sitting there just fuming and uh and uh he says well what happened and i told him at that point what happened because we were miles down the road so you can't <laughs> double, double back and do anything about it and uh he, he just looked at me he says you know you gotta just you gotta forgive people and be patient with them." <laughs> I'm like, really is that the message He's like yeah you just gotta forgive them be patient with them you know just you just uh let it go man you know it's about grace so that's yeah. Yeah. That's that's our life right there.
0: Yeah, well so there's definitely sometimes we venture in the suburbs, sometimes the suburbs come to us. We had a young man named John who uh Jed was leading some worse the bridge and one of my favorite encounters ever. Jed, you want to tell us about that? Sure, absolutely. Well, well, I should note, you know, I'm, I'm,
1: we're all spoiled because we're used to dealing with people from the inner city who are very loving and very open about their affection and very appreciative. I mean, you have to earn it, like we're saying, but once you've earned it you've got it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm used to people coming to me and saying, dude, the, you know, those songs rock my world and that, you know, the service is amazing and whatnot. Um, and, um, and they should feel that way because we work our hind ends off to make sure that that's true. Yeah. Um, that it's meeting their spiritual needs and helping them get closer to the Lord. So, um, uh, this dude, uh, is a white dude from the suburbs and he, and he you know, I'm just wrapping up cables and he walks up next to me and, you know, uh, uh, just kind of starts talking, doesn't,
2: Right, <laughs> doesn't really
1: introduce himself. He's just, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm John, and uh, uh, like I'm not even really facing him when he starts. To, uh, right. stand- <laughs> hi, hi, John. I'm, I'm Jed. He goes, I enjoy uh, worship music, and it th- just kind of pauses there. It's kind of long, pregnant right. pauses.
2: Are you trying to say that you enjoyed the worship music you just heard? Or? Well, that's
1: kind of what I'm like. Is that are Are you trying to give like a compliment? And you're not sure how. I'm right. like, well, that's that's cool, man. I'm mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. glad you enjoy worship music. Yeah, I um I lead some myself from time to time. I'm part of a church movement. It's a, it's an important part of what we do, and uh, it's one of these things where <laughs> like we keep we keep circling around. Like, are you? It's not clear to me. Are you trying to give a compliment and you're not sure how, or are you? Mm-hmm. Are you looking for a buddy?
2: Are you saying we have a lot in common? Do Because
1: that... I'm I'm cool with what with whatever it is. Right. But it's the kind of thing where I can't really just I can't just say. Are you saying you like this worship music or what? Right. What is this? But you know he he goes on for you know a couple more minutes about you know and uh, you know part of a church movement. And, you know it's a, it's a thing and uh, cool man cool that's that's right on. I'm glad you're I'm glad you're doing it. Yeah, well, good talking with you. And <laughs> just just turns around and walks away like. I, I I don't know what that was.
2: And just a quick a quick contrast to that, and maybe a good point to wrap up on, is, as Jed's saying, what we're used to, you know. Uh, as you know, part of what we do uh, with this podcast is make people aware of Bridgebox so they can support uh, our ministry. And part of what we do with Bridgebox is uh, we uh, give a very small part-time salary to some guys who've come up through the program mm-hmm. and help us out. Uh and neither of these guys know this story, which makes it particularly good. Uh, but I'm driving home one of those guys that we have employed, and he's literally unable to sit still. He's so just happy. And um, he said, uh, uh, and I, I noticed it. I said, are you all right? He says, yeah. Uh, he says, I realized tonight I never knew what a friend was mm. until I met you people. And I said, well, that's that's nice for you to say. I mean, you know, I'm I'm glad you feel that way. He's like, no, but it's not something that you said to me or something, and it's not, you know, whatever. It's just watching the way that you act with each other and the way you treat each other and then seeing the way that you treat me. Uh, he said, I, I never had anyone... That I could be close to in that kind of way, knowing that I could trust in that kind of way, and the the idea for him was that uh, that that this was uh, he, this is my favorite thought of all of this was he said, you know, uh, have you ever seen that show, The Super Friends, <laughs> which is a cartoon, I guess from like the eighties, seventies,
0: eighties, which makes sense because this brother's in his fifties, yeah. yeah.
2: And um, in the, the Super Friends, it's like Batman, it was, Superman, it was the Sunday Morning Justice League. Yeah, it was like a Wonder Woman and all that and whatever. And they were all Aquaman, Aquaman, and all that.
0: Jed's totally Aquaman. And, I am
2: Aquaman. You know, uh, I, I I could be Lord of Atlantis. You don't know. I, I'm pretty sure I could, but here's the <laughs> thing: is that he he, it, but he said you know he was he was comparing us to 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 that because he's like um you know he was really struggling to try and articulate it but it was this idea of having a friendship that we share with each other and a friendship that we extended to him uh in in a way that was transformative to people around him and transformative as um uh in in, in almost a, a miraculous kind of way just this idea that that the power that came out of the bond that we share with each other Uh, was that strong. So I think it's a good point to end on from the standpoint of, I think we share that bond with a lot of people who listen to Mm. this podcast. I hope they feel that bond. And that a lot of people who listen to this uh, podcast may have a fellowship group that they belong to or a Bible study or an inner circle where they have that kind of intense friendship. And other people, you know, I think you, you start taking that for granted after a while. It becomes a new normal, and they don't realize how much other people really crave that and how much of a gift they have to give that to other people. So, you know, I think, as Jed said, we're very spoiled by having these guys who are expressive that way and really loving towards us and, and, and tell us when we're doing right, as well as when we're sometimes, you know, giving them wrong hand signals and whatever else. Uh, so I think we're, we're, we're really blessed to do this work and it's, it's a huge blessing the people keep us doing it. Amen. That's Amen. absolutely great
0: stuff. Jed, you got one more to take us out on?
1: Sure. Well, we were, um, uh, we were doing a lead and worship worship and, and doing a chapel service at a jail facility a couple years ago now. And, um, and this would be different in, in other places. But in Chicago, um, if you're Caucasian and behind bars, you're in the extreme minority. That's right, um, right. you know, yep. maybe one in 10, one in 20, something like that.
2: Probably even more rare than that.
1: Um, so to, all that to say, we're in a room and, you know, there's our staff, um, and then it's a room full of, in this case, folks who are African-American and one white inmate. And this one white inmate is at the front row, um, and we're leading worship and, and we don't have PowerPoint or anything, so we've just handed out printouts to have the lyrics on it. And as we're playing, as we're leading, I look down and this dude across his knuckles has tattooed the words pure hate, okay. <laughs> just up and down his knuckles. Wow. In, in a room full of overwhelmingly full of folks who, who are African-American, in, in case it's not clear to you, the hate he's talking about is hate for African-Americans. Right. Yeah. Um, R- just race, hatred, race, hatred. That's that's he's a white supremacist or, or, or he was. Um, but here is two things to note on that. This dude is worshiping as intently and sincerely as anybody I've ever seen mm-hmm. and the people next to him. Are worshiping as intently and sincerely as anybody I've ever seen. This is a person where God's love has changed his life. And that's clear not just to him, but that's clear to everyone around him. And I I tell you that story because I think when we have sins in our life that we feel ashamed about, we feel guilty about, we feel like we've got something tattooed on us where, where everybody can see the thing that we've done. Right. Everybody can see the place that we've been. For most of us, that doesn't say pure hate. Um, right. That that might have something to do with sex or drugs right. or whatever. But we we feel that way. Like everybody can can see what what we've done and where we've been. And here's uh, here's what I want you to know: is God can take care of whatever your tattoo is same way he took care of that guy's tattoo mm-hmm. and you may have dealt with religious people before that made you feel like because of what they can see on you they don't they don't like you they don't want you around you you know you're, you're not acceptable to them but what we saw in this jail behind bars was a group of people who had every reason to reject this man this man right, had, had right, literally right, right. written on his body i hate people like you right but because of jesus they were family and what I want you to know is that no matter what you've done or where you've been and no matter how much rejection you've experienced off of that, God loves you and he wants to bring you into a place where you have a family in him that accepts yeah. you exactly as you are right now today. If that was true for the guy with pure hate on his hands, it's true for you too. That's why we do the work we do on the streets and behind bars. That's why we do this podcast because we love you and we believe in you and we believe in the future that God has for you.
0: Amen. It's a lot of great stuff. We hope you enjoyed hearing some stories. If you did, let us know. We can do more of this. We've got, between Glenn and Jed, they've got a million of them. Um, one of the reasons we want to do this is because God has something cool for you. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. as extreme as maybe what we do, but it's just as vital. It's just as important. There's just as much adventure in it. So mm-hmm. that's, as we're saying, that's part of why we do this show. That's part of our hope for you is that you catch a vision for that of four guys who are living their thing as weird and bumpy and uh, random as it may seem you know it's it's an adventure it's a way to go and god has something just like that for you if you enjoyed which here you can always sign up michigan say.com slash you can always email us say that podcast at gmail.com or the thanks for listening we're going to take you out with i think maybe the first bridge song i ever heard it's by far one of the most popular it's just this is the men and women you've heard us talking about singing jed's song called god don't let me quit we're gonna take you out with that uh just remember we love you, God loves you, there's nothing you can do about it.
2: The Say That Podcast, we're letting you live.
3: God so glad me quit. Jesus, I don't have the strength unless <laughs> you give me it. God so
1: Go back to the beginning of that song.
3: God, so let me quit. Jesus, I don't have the strength unless you give me it. God. up to me to fix it, when you are Lord commanded him. God don't let me quit, Jesus I don't have the strength, unless you give me it.